Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. That team sure did suck last night. They just plain sucked. I've seen teams suck before, but they were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. Steve Rosenblum. There was a keg stand. I lost to an 81-year-old lady. She got off the <laughs> dance floor, and then, and, but I was, it was really close. Mark Grody. I've been waiting to get a hold of this guy for years. Yeah, like they're, like Channel 2 News is out there interviewing people. Yeah, I've been talking to my wife about getting Steve. He wants connected my dots and more to my plate. I'm going to dunk his ass. They suck, so you don't have to. Can't you morons do anything right? Founding members of the WB Club. Smoke weed every day. The three words that describe this show, and I quote. Stink. Stank. Stunk. It's Saturday Suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Welcome in. Saturday Suckage. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Let's find out who else is here. Let's take roll. Grobber. It sucks and it freebases. Don Cooper. If I think something sucks, I'll tell you it sucks. Mike Tomlin. Uh, sucking. Jake Arietta. This sucks. Really, it does. Brian Cashman. I also know that we suck right now. Albert Elmora. Damn, Willie, man, like, do we suck? Chris Rock. I suck so bad, he used to pick me after the white kids. Pat Fitzgerald. Sometimes you got to embrace the suck. Eloy Jimenez. Hey, you guys not going to make anyway. You guys are suck. Hey, when, when I got traded the next day, oh, welcome to the suck team. Toby. Oh, my God, this sucks. Random Bears fan. Steph Curry. We suck tonight. Terry Bores. Finally made a list of somebody who thinks he sucks besides I do. Avenue Q. It sucks to be me. It sucks to be me. It sucks to be broken, unemployed, and turning 33. St. John. 
Sucks to me. Ross Perot. There will be a giant sucking sound going south. Devin McCourty. Sucks to end the season that way. Nick Chubb. One of the things that stuck in that stuck to us when, when he came here, he said, you know, you got to embrace the suck. Pat McAfee. There are some commentators that f- suck out there. Nikolai Ehlers. Uh, yeah, uh, not a fun morning. Um, uh, yeah, it, it, it sucks. Um, Chris Ballard. And now we get we lay, lose these last two games and we just suck. Giannis. We suck. Played bad. They made shots. They played good. They played better than us. Drew Doughty. Thanks for going through this. I know it sucks watching it, but uh, we'll get out there in a sec. Um... Garth Algar. Liam Hendricks. I wouldn't say seeking perfection. It's just mainly trying not to suck. Julie Swika. Man, that sucks. Wilson Contreras. Losing, losing suck. I tell you that, and, and that's all I can say. Rob Schneider. Oh no, we suck again. George Went. But there you go. I suck. Mark Grody. <laughs> <laughs> we added new people, Mark Grody. We what added can I do for you, Steve? I'm here. Several... Oh my God, you your suckage ears are more attuned than ever. My God, that was just yesterday when George Went was on the radio station. Now I must I must say this: this is a team effort. Teamwork makes the dream work. This is we have people looking out for us. It's a beautiful thing. So Saturday suckage and the suckage roll call has become such a thing that Chris Tannehill is sending things along. So he notified <laughs> he notified Adam Studzinski, and this was, I got a message from Studs around uh, 6 o'clock last night. However, three hours earlier with a timestamp of like 3.08, Julie Swika, who had previously given us Avenue Q on his suggestion, uh-huh. and then said the word suck herself in an interview on the score, she noted George Went said that. She timestamped at 308 on the score. Parkinson and Spiegel show, get that. So, anyways, we are we are improving. We're adding names. And thank you for sticking around from inside the clubhouse. Well, I you're gonna achieve your goal of filling up the entire first segment <laughs> with suckage, which would be because it warms everybody up. People are getting their bongs out, they're not quite there yet. So right. It's pretty perfect because I've noticed a pattern of people catching up on the app, on the Odyssey app, during Saturday Suckage. So I think that you ha- you are doing it perfectly at this point. You have taken over the world with your Suckage sound bites. I, I love well, it, Steve. I do. We welcome all Suckage ears to send along suggestions. So whether it's uh, Cesar Perez, our producer today. Hi, Cesar. How are you doing today, Cesar? Cesar, you okay? I'm doing right? good. What's going on, guys? Well, and or it's uh, Trash Panda. And by the way, I had Caesar. Mark, you'll get a kick out of this. I had Caesar book Trash Panda to start the one o'clock hour today because there is major Trash Panda news and video. Oh my that God! Tra- I think our I, Trash I, Panda needs to talk about. I think I know what you're talking about. Did, did it? I won't give it away, but did it occur at a baseball game? It did. It is one of the greatest yep. things you have ever seen at a baseball game. For all you people who think catching a foul ball while holding a baby and not spilling a beer or something, oh my God, this the whole trash panda thing 
at the base at the college baseball game is terrific. But I appreciate you sticking around, and um, I don't want to mislead people. Mark Grody, while this is his show, he's on this show, but he won't be on the show after this first segment because he he just survived two hours with Bruce, and then I think he needs therapy. After <laughs> Did I? Clubhouse. Did I survive it? I don't Did know. <laughs> so last week we got um, we got cubbed, and we they they scheduled the doubleheader, and I wanted you and me to talk about Bears rookie minicamp as you started meeting them, and and we started hearing from them. So a week later, the I just wanted to to I wanted you to share your impressions of the the mini camp of the rookie mini camp and what they look like and what they sounded like. What you come away with? Well, I have to be uh, transparent with you on this one, Stevie Sunshine, that I was not at the rookie mini camp because I had hosting duties, duties, oh, duties, duties here. I had, I had uh, duties. Oh yeah, duties. Um, at the score, so I was hosting. However. I can't tell you that I was closely attuned with what was going on, and obviously mm-hmm. I listened to every single word of what everybody said. And I think the big takeaway right now is that there's three rookies. There's Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker, and Valus Jones Jr., and then a bunch of other guys that you just have really no idea about. And and that includes you know Braxton, the four offensive linemen. The running back, Trusted Ebner, the the sixth rounder, the 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 other safety in the seventh round, Elijah Hicks. There's just a lot of guys that are gonna have they're going to have opportunities because you know if you look at at, at any NFL's teams draft boards, most guys in some way, shape, or form make the team, and I say that some way, shape, or form because some land on the practice squad. I mean, you go back to last year, obviously a different regime. But Justin Fields, Tevin Jenkins, Larry Borm, Khalil Herbert, Daz Newsome, Thomas Graham Jr., and Kyrus Tonga all played on the NFL roster at some point in time. Same deal with 2020 with Cole Komet, Jalen Johnson, Travis Gibson, Kendall Vildor, Darnell Mooney, Arlington Hambright, and old Pig Simmons. So it, it is it, – it, it, <laughs> You have to explain that since we – we know him as Lachavius Simmons, and you have to explain that. Well, yeah, his nickname is Pig Simmons, and I believe, if I am not mistaken and remembering, because I asked him directly, but my, I have overnight brain, as you know. Some people uh-huh. get wet brain from drinking too much. I have overnight right. brain. I believe it was his mom, actually, who gave him the nickname Pig, because so, he's a big boy, um, and he's an offensive lineman. So that's Lachavius Simmons. But the point being... All these guys, even though it's very hard to evaluate all the offensive linemen that the Bears have gotten, Braxton Jones and Zach Thomas and Illinois' Doug Kramer and Jatiri Carter, these guys are going to get a real opportunity to make this roster because think about the way this team is being set up. I mean, you're going to have... You're going to have these guys competing for jobs. You're going to have a lot of undrafted guys competing for jobs. It's a unique situation because of the the sort of rank-and-file nature of what Ryan Poles has done so far. He's not signed dynamic players to this roster yet. He has not signed difference maker. He has he has filled roster spots and there are more to be won. So this rookie class, while it's hard to get a read on anybody beyond Valus Jones Jr., they're all going to get a real chance just because of the nature of this season. 
Well, I got a wonderful read on Zach Thomas. I, I know it's it's only one quote. I don't know much else about him. And like you said, offensive linemen, who knows what they're going to be. Right. In, in, right around. But anybody who says, when asked what he knew, knew about the Bears, says, I know they have the most Hall of Famers, and I know that they need a second trophy for that trophy case. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. outstanding. That's a right. man who's done he, – he does his scouting homework. So why do you say – why do you indicate that Bayless Jones is the one we either know most about or is better rounded or what what is it about him that made you single him out? Just well, well, I, I singled out Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker yeah. and Bayless Jones Jr. for okay. the record. But the the <laughs> everybody's jumping on Bayless Jones Jr. And the reason is, is is that he is because of the nature of his job being a wide receiver. He's the one that we can relate to and understand exactly what he does and know what he might be able to do in this offense. It's very difficult with the rest of the guys that are in this draft to look at and say, yes, I have an evaluation of. And because they have talked about Valus Jones Jr. as a guy that they want to do multiple things in this offense, that they see him as a guy that can line up at wide receiver, that they see him as a guy that can play in the slot that they see him as a guy who might be able to run the ball out of the backfield. So they see him doing things like Cordero Patterson was capable of, or a better example maybe because he had some some longevity on the Bears, and that was Tariq Cohen. So when you when you start to get hope and you actually hear the the evaluators like Lou Getze say things like that, and Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus say that Velas Jones Jr could be on the field, could be on the field often, and could be an important piece, then that makes you look up a little bit and say, okay, this, this could be a guy that is really, you know, actually part of this team this year. I have no idea if he's going to be good. I'm still not putting him down as a dynamic player until we actually see him at the NFL level, but he's got all the makings of it. Legit 4-3 speed. He also, one of his other great tricks is is yards after contact, which is, which is huge, especially for a guy with that kind of speed. And as, you know, I think it was Getze who said it, that he play like a lot of guys can sprint the forty yard dash and do great things, and we've seen plenty of bears like that. And then it doesn't necessarily transfer to the field. All indications are that Valus Jones Jr.'s speed does transfer to the the field and actually in a playing scenario and route running and things like that. So I think he's easy to get on board with just because of the potential and the things that we've seen from him. And in kick return, I didn't even mention that. Like he can return kicks too. Right, and that's making a difference as, as a, at a skill position, but also very similar to what we saw with, with Lovey Smith. Special teams, you get the – Devin Hester's a big stretch because he's the best there, that ever was. But but Bayless Jones Jr. could be that guy. He could make – just the threat of taking the top off the defense makes everybody else better on that offense, and, boy, they need it. One of the things, one of the criticisms, and now that it's been a couple weeks – one of the criticisms of the Bears drafting Bayless Jones Jr. is, well, wait, he's going to be 25. It was an older draft anyways because of the, the, the pandemic year and the, and the extra year that they got. And I started thinking about, well, aren't we dealing with an NFL where the average career is four years? Mm-hmm. If you draft a 25-year-old guy, you get 25, 26, 27, 28, maybe into 29. That's about as prime as you're going to get. 
that's almost perfect as opposed to a guy reaching the age of 24 or 25 when you draft him and then he can leave and then you're forced to make a decision. That seems to me, especially a guy in a, in a game so filled with injury potential, to slow down a speed guy, I have no problem with this. In fact, I applaud it. I'm with you. I guess the other side of that is that he, he's got to be good quickly then. He's not going to, like, Valus Jones Jr. is not going to have the the benefits of the doubt in terms of, all right, he had a bad rookie year, but, you know, the, let's let's see what he's like when he's 22 years old and then 23 years old. So I think that and, – and I think he has all the, the elements of a guy who could come in – and be, you know, I'm not saying great right away, but be, you know, a contributor right away because of all the college experience, because of his maturity, because he's 25 years old, because, Steve, he doesn't party. So he's not going to fit in <laughs> on this show. He said he doesn't party. So guys that don't party, you could see, you know, you could probably just call him 23 years old because he doesn't have the extra party on him. He doesn't have the extra party the extra, years. Yeah, has, the extra party a, weight. Yeah, the party weight. <laughs> yeah. Well, he doesn't I, come in with that. So I'm with you on him, and uh, I'm going to replay. Uh, Parkinson Spiegel did an interview with him, and not only am I going to replay the interview because I think he's terrific and I love so many of his answers. And I think you're right. He is such a, he's the flashpoint of this draft because of what he might be able to do in a, on a team bereft of skill players and dire need of skill players is that I'm having Matt Spiegel on to walk us up to the interview. I'm trying to do our replays that way. Oh my so God. At 120 Spiegs will be here. Oh. But Spiegs is also our Renaissance man with so many things, so many things going on because there's, he can talk, this football interview. He's the host of Fit and Run. He will be doing baseball, much like you, football, baseball guy, two-sport athlete there. And um, <laughs> whenever there's a no-hitter or the Yankees come to town and start hitting White Sox pitching, Ugh. there are all kinds of records and comparisons, and they're just... Um, I have a kinship with Speaks because we, the names we grew up, the baseball names we grew up reading about and and never really having seen them play. But this is the kind of stuff that gets sparked with no hitters and Yankees hitting. Plus, it was Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and Speaks is, is I want to get his thoughts on some of the acts oh. going into the Hall was of Fame. Was that last and, night? Was that last uh, night? Was it, it, it was a, the inductions were made, the, the, the names were read, and so all of a sudden, Dolly Parton decided, yeah, I'll take it. And you know who else is in the Hall of Fame that you may not know, but people of who? my age and my particular, especially at my age in 13, 14, 15, 16, Carly Simon. Oh, I love Carly Simon. Yes, there was a lot to love about Carly Simon. Absolutely the greatest album covers ever made for a young man who was both achieving um, achieving bar mitzvahs and um, puberty. Carly Simon <laughs> was the real deal and she's actually so spectacular that she said when asked what she thought about finally getting into the rock and roll hall of fame she said i'm so surprised i i got i really thought i was getting into the house of pancakes <laughs> <laughs> so anyways wow. we're going to replay valus joan jr i thank you for sticking around mark you can go ahead and and have your day, and we'll just break down the beer schedule. And 
Saturday Suckage will delve into how much does Nathan Peterson suck? <laughs> and it is quite dramatic. It's breathtaking. Breathtaking. It is, it is breathtaking. And when I explain why, based on my kind of research, I'll show you why. I uh, will leave you with this, Steve, in three, yeah. two, one. This really sucks that I had to come on this show. Look at that. He's adding a fellow second year adding to the suck roll call. You we can put Mark Grody on whether he's there or not. There you All go, right. Caesar. Cut that up. I just made the, <laughs> the lineup so I, so I don't have to be on next week. <laughs> Deal. There you go. Look how he See gets you. out of it. Bye, Thanks, Steve. Mark. That's Mark Grody. Um, so we got to talk a little bears and I will, we got to take a break and when we come back, I will set you up for the rest of the show and what we're going to do. And thank you for joining Saturday suckage. We suck. So you don't have to the Cubs socks. Who knows if, who knows if they're hopeless. Nathan Peterman is, I will tell you how much he sucks. Chicago sports radio, six seventy the score. 20 seconds, Nate. Hurry up, Nate. 16. Throw it. Ball, Nate. Nate gotta let the ball go, bro. Come on, Nate, get the going, Nate. Let's go. God damn it. Hey, Nate, you gotta hurry up, man. It takes forever. Start the motion, get it going. We're running out of time. My life is running out of lifespan. Steve Rosenblum. It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. <laughs> That was John Gruden from Hard Knocks about Nathan Nathan Peterman, the Bears' new quarterback. Well, he's not the starting quarterback. He's not the second-string quarterback. He's in the quarterback room, however, and you could say, well, maybe he's just a camp arm, maybe he's whatever. Here's the problem with guys in the quarterback room. They might play quarterback. It's a violent game. Guys get hurt. Guys get taught plays. Nathan Peterman even played for John Gruden. Nathan Peterman has played in the NFL. It's a scary thing. Now he's on a team with a quarterback he really doesn't know about. And skill position players, where there might be bereft of skill, and an offensive line that seems to be whack-a-mole. And here comes Nathan Peterman. This sounds like it could be a Ryan Pace move, but it's Ryan Poles. And because this is Saturday Suckage, and I will run down what we're doing on Saturday Suckage and why you shouldn't mess with the suckage. It's real, like launch angle. The Cubs found that out last week. I could not resist this. Once Nathan Peterman got invoked, once the name got invoked and he became a Bear, and he's part of the Bears quarterback room, he's sitting near around Justin Fields and the great Getze. Get a load of this. Nathan Peterman's career quarterback rating is 34.0. So counting only quarterbacks, players is listed as quarterbacks, not like fullbacks or kickers throwing passes. Nathan Peterman's 34.0 passer rating ranks ninth worst all time on the Bears list. The NFL's oldest franchise, the Heritage franchise, Nathan Petersman's 34.0 rating would be the ninth worst. He is ahead of some guy named Joe Barnes, a 1974 Bear, who threw two passes, one of which was intercepted. 
<laughs> Tell me that doesn't sound like a Bears quarterback. Nathan Peterman ranks ahead of Todd Collins, thank God, and Will, LOL, Furrer, and a guy named Willie Thrower, who apparently couldn't. Peterman also ranks ahead of Spare Bear Sean Payton and CFL legend Henry Burris. Two other guys, I don't know. And then there's Nathan Peterman, the ninth worst quarterback rating on in Bears history with his 34.0, even though he didn't do it for the Bears. Here's who he ranks behind. Rusty Lish. Rusty Lish is the guy who refused to go back into a game until Ditka apologized for cursing at him. It's a true story. Ditka tells it true story. Nathan Peterman's 34.0 ranks behind the utter failure that was Rick Myrer. He ranks behind Brian Erlacher. His quarterback rating ranks behind Craig Krenzel, David Fales, and Jonathan Quinn. For God's sake, he ranks behind Jimmy Clausen and Cade F. McNown. And now, Nathan Peterman is in the Bears' quarterback room. Peterman and his record of five interceptions and one half. I don't know if this means that Ryan Poles sucks, but you can see it from here if you're a Bears fan, if you're a long-time Bears even if you're a short-time Bears fan, you've seen it. This is a guy who ranks behind Cade McNown. Roll that around. That's who's in the Bears quarterback room now. And just like they say to a pitcher, anybody in the batter's box or the bat is dangerous, any Bears quarterback, any quarterback in the Bears room is dangerous to the Bears. It's really a scary thing. Welcome to Saturday Suckage. It's real. And like launch angle, don't mess with it. Don't mess with the suckage. Cubs learned what happened last week. We were not here last week. Cubs had a rainout Friday, scheduled a split doubleheader Saturday. They lost both ends of a doubleheader to a Dodgers team that is doing what the Cubs said they would do, which was sustain success and sustain success and sustain success. And then we got preempted. And you demonize Saturday suckage, Cubs. You need to know that. Don't mess with the suckage. Don't you, you end up losing both ends of a doubleheader, so don't do that. And then, by the way, the Cubs blew both ends. Double, or the Cubs blew a three-nothing lead last night to Zach Davies. Cubs lost to Zach Davies. The show will continue till two o'clock today, and at eleven forty, we'll talk with Scott Merkin. He is the MLB he's a White Sox writer for MLB.com. At noon. Rick Camp will be here. We will talk Bulls, Zach Levine, and food. You can't believe some of the oversized food I came up with. And I don't know if Rick Camp will believe it or not, but we're going to ask him about it. I don't want to break down the the NFL schedule and the Bears schedule, but I'm going to anyways with how you can make some money off it. Ryan Horvitt, uh, BetMGM Tonight and the BetMGM MLB podcast. Ryan Horvitt will be here at 1240. At 1 o'clock, Trash Panda will be here because it is a major day in Trash Panda video. We will get our Trash Panda talking about another Trash Panda. And Matt Spiegel will be here at 1.20. Parkinson Spiegel did an interview with Valus Jones Jr. Probably the guy, the, the, the I guess if he had to have put a snapshot on the Bears draft, it's that guy. He's the one who might make the biggest difference. They got their two second round picks. Well, we want to see interceptions. We want to see turnovers. But 
This is a guy who can take the Bayless Jones Jr. could take the top off a of defense. He could he could do a lot of damage from a lot of different positions, depending how creative the Bears are and how good he really is. And he's a terrific interview. He had some wonderful answers. So I want to bring Spiegel on to as the pregame show for the replay. But there's so many so much else going on with with <clears throat> things that revolve around the Spiegel orbit, and one of which is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and then there were a baseball no-hitter and Yankees setting Yankee-like records and just stuff going on that he he has a love for baseball I wanted to, to take advantage of. Today's day in sports, the NBA is offering you two game sevens, Bucks Celtics in Milwaukee, Mavs Suns in Phoenix. So Bucks Celtics winner will face the Heat, Sun, Mav, Suns Mavs winner will face the Warriors, Warriors eliminated the Grizzlies last night. That's pretty good. In that sport, you get two game sevens. Hockey does it like nobody else. The NHL will offer five game sevens this weekend, three of them today. It is a game seven triple header today. And then two tomorrow, Bruins and Canes, Lightning and Leafs, and the Kings and Oilers, they'll all play today. Tomorrow, it's Penguins, Rangers, and Stars and Flames. This is a spectacular sports weekend, if you don't count baseball. Like I said, while you were sleeping, Cubs blew a 3 nothing lead and lost to Zach Stinkin' Davies. The Sox lost to the Yankees again this time by a little closer margin, 837-4. to Saturday suckage indeed. And if you're a White Sox fan and you thought it couldn't get any worse, Dallas Keuchel is pitching today. I hope you're having a good morning. I had a hat trick. I got the Merriam-Webster Wheel of Fortune-like word of the day. And then I struggled and struggled and struggled, but I finally got Wordle on the sixth try. And I nailed the answer to Loodle in two lines, of course. And then got back to the idea that Dallas Keuchel, unfortunately, is healthy. Dallas Keuchel is pitching. And Dallas Keuchel is pitching to a Yankees team that destroys left-handers. If you thought what you saw against right-handers was something when the Sox threw out there the last couple days, the Yankees entered this series slugging 446 against lefties. Dallas Keuchel is a lefty. Their OPS against lefties is 753 compared to 708 against righties. You saw, though, what they did against righties, and now the Sox are throwing Dallas Keuchel because they really have, they think they have nobody else. I think they have Reynaldo Lopez. I would hurry up Johnny Cueto. I would do anything I could to not get, to not put Dallas Keuchel out there. But he's going to go out there. We'll find out what a guy who covers the White Sox thinks about what may transpire after the last two games. I'm Steve Rosenblum, Saturday Suckage. Thank you for listening. Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Steve Rosenblum, it's Saturday Suckage on 670, The Score, in Odyssey Station. Wow. Big voice guy saying Saturday Suckage. Alrighty then, it must be true. It must be Saturday Suckage. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Welcome in, welcome back. Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. We are going to the guest line. Guests join us on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And joining us now from MLB.com, welcome back, Scott Merkin. Scott, how you doing? 
Good, Steve. You know, I've never seen that sports book at Cirque. I heard it's outstanding, though. Actually, if you just open your window, it's so big you can see it from Chicago. <laughs> oh, when is, I fly to Kansas City on Monday, it'll be I'll be able to see it from the plane pretty much. I would just keep going. Actually, I'd stop in Kansas City to get a barbecue. I love Kansas City barbecue. You're, you're sure. That is going to be outstanding. But yeah, you, you should be able to see it there. It's a it's a massive thing. They do it. I mean, look, this is the place where they put Eiffel towers on the strip, so you can see them from there. So this sports and pier- and don't forget pyramids too. That's true. Those two. All right. So the the White Sox are. I won't even say they're playing the Yankees. The the White Sox are cannon fodder, and it looks like two different teams from two different leagues. This is this is like NCAA football. This is Alabama playing Cupcake State. It's just off an awful looking. It's an awful exercise an awful looking thing you can agree with that and try to make Sox fans feel better you can agree with that and say that abandon hope all ye who enter here through the gates of hell or whatever so give us your thoughts and what you've seen I know it's only two games I know it's only May thank goodness what do you think Scott yeah I mean the Yankees have you know from about the eighth inning on last night or I'm sorry Thursday night they all run together after a while have dominated the White Sox you know it's They've they've outscored them twenty five to eleven total in the two games. Yesterday's game for some reason seemed a lot bigger deficit than it actually was. I mean they went into that ninth inning still down four runs, I believe it was. But yeah, the Yankees look like a better team right now, and that's fine. That's what they're you know the record shows that for the Sox they're a fifteen and sixteen team. There's no way of getting around that. But they, like you said, the key thing for them is today is May fourteenth. So, you know, they're not ending the season Monday or in a month or in two months or three months for that matter. I, if I keep going, I'll probably hit the end mark at some point there. But, you know, that they, they have to be a better team overall. This is kind of a good barometer right now. But we, we've seen teams struggle during the course of the year. I, I'm, I'm not playing down that they're not, you know, that they're not a great team at this moment. But, man, I mean, there's, you know, they've played 31 total games. So there's another 131 games to play, and it's, probably a little early to say, well, you know, this is what they are. As a matter of fact, not probably, it is a little early to say this is what they are. Yeah, I don't know quite what they are when you see what's happening in the field, and when you see the wondering whether they're going to, the next promotion will be a Tim Anderson bobble glove night, and the way they've, just the way they've reacted late in games with a bullpen, they poured a lot of money and seemingly a lot of talent into, and then... They've been let down by it, and the the idea that Dallas Keuchel is healthy, Lucas Giolito is not, Lance Lynn is not, and the starting pitching remains to the point where you're 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 praying for Johnny Cueto, and one and I'm wondering why Ronaldo Lopez isn't in there because at least he can. He's he's a right-hander. You don't want to, I'm sending left-handers against the Yankees is crazy. So with the Giolito news, explain what it is, what it means going forward in the next five six days that include a double includes a doubleheader. Yeah, it sounds like you know he from from what the Sox told us he had some symptoms a few days ago, and he was put on the the COVID IL and he can come back. You know, I think they said in the Kansas City series. So basically, what they've done. They're hopeful, I should say, he can come back in the Kansas City Series. What they've done is they've listed the starters through Sunday against the Yankees. It's Dallas Keuchel this evening. 
And then I believe it's Michael Kopech tomorrow, if I remember right, against in, in the series finale. And then I'm sure they have, you know, I know they have an idea of who's going in the Kansas City series, but they have to see what it takes to get through this series first. So, you know, I, I'm almost certain Johnny Cueto will be one of the five starters in that series. You could possibly see, you know, a bullpen day in one of those five. But you also have the, you know, the guys on regular rest come back, Dylan Cease and, you know, uh, I would guess, let's see, Keiko lines up right for that series uh, at, the, at the end there. So they're not really laying anything out until they see what they need to get through this, but they are hoping that Lucas Giolito will be back during that Kansas City series. Kansas City series should be interesting because Kansas City is hitting the ball a little bit now, but, you know, that's a team, the Sox. One of the biggest concerns for me for the Sox in this very small sample size is they're 4-10, and 10, I believe against the AL Central, and that's a, a division which they are clearly, in my mind, still the best team, although Minnesota is a very um, a, is going to be a competitive team this whole year. Cleveland at times can pitch. Kansas City and Detroit are still in that wonderful rebuild mold, so, mode, I should say. But you have to win the games in your division. That's something the Sox have done at, at a very high level during their two playoff years, 2020-2021. So if there's any reason to be concerned, past you know some of the obvious ones it's not doing very well within the division so far we're talking with scott merkin mlb.com he covers the white Sox. we're doing that here on the score on saturday suckage so last year it it, it was i went back i kept this because i i miss lance lynn for a lot of reasons white Sox fans miss him because he pitched he gave you something out he gave you something reliable out there he was that kind of guy but the, he also was a wonderful, transparent, honest, um, zero bleeps to give kind of quote afterwards. And it was last June, not May, it was last June when they played Tampa. And Tampa was the, the best team in the, in the league. And, and the White Sox won the series and they finally beat a good team. And Lance Lynn was asked if this was... You know, a answers a, le- a challenge doing something like this, and his answer was, "It's June. No one gives a bleep." <laughs> and he, he, I miss Lance Lynn to say things like that, but it still stands up. And it's a month earlier than they did it. I mean, they, we're we're seeing this. It gives the White Sox enough time to get things together. I don't think they, the the Central's gonna nobody's gonna run away with it, but the idea of what they Banking on health, is that really enough when you watch what the Yankees are and if they're the class of MLB and they are right now? Is White Sox health really enough to do something to beat the Yankees, to topple them? Yeah, you know, one of the things I would say for the Sox is, you know, if as they're getting healthy, as Aloy Jimenez works his way back, as Lance Lynn works his way back, Andrew Vaughn is back now, Aaron Bummer is coming back soon from, you know, what they think was a short trip to the injured list. I'm probably missing a few others in there. You know, Lucas Giolito will be back soon. I think the, the biggest thing for the Sox is they can't look up on July 1st or August 1st, which still, even August 1st, there's still, what, two months of baseball left, and suddenly say, geez, we're 11 games out of first place or we're 10 games out of first place. Because as you know, Steve, that takes a little more than just like a good week or a good 10-day period <laughs> to get back in the race. That, yeah. That's a fight. If you're four or five games back at any point, as opposed, except for maybe with three games to play, you know, you can make that up in a week. You can have it. You can go six and one in a week. The other team can go one and or two and four and two and five, and you're right back in in contention. So, but but one of the key things is, you know, I understand Sox fans' angst because this is a year that they've targeted. This is a year 
that they've talked about is a championship caliber team. You know, they, they had a 93-win season last year with all their injuries and then fell well short against the Astros. So I get that people are not happy with a 15-16 and 16 start with some, you know, with an air total that's up near the top of the league with an offense that's not clicking yet. But there's also a danger, and I've done this in teams I've followed too, trust me, that you can't analyze every day, every inning, every move that's made like it's going to affect whether they're playing in game six of the World Series. You know, I mean, there's got to be a big picture view. And I think, you know, Tony and the staff and the front office are looking at it that way, that you can't burn the bullpen out now, for example, if you want to have them healthy and pitching it, you know, not at full strength, but effectively come September and what you hope is October. Now, you can't give up now and not get to October, obviously. But, you you know, I mean, you have a lot of guys who are getting a lot of work and they need breaks here and there. So it's tough to avoid that if you're following a team, if you're passionate about a team and you believe this is the year the team can contend with anyone. But you really can't, you know, take every moment and say, yeah, this is a horrible move. This guy doesn't know what he's doing or this team is terrible. You have to have a kind of a big picture view and see where they are. Geez, at least wait till like July 1st and see what they're doing at that point when they've had guys back healthy a little bit and playing together a little bit. So will you get more information on what just how serious the Tony looks at the and the White Sox look at the Kansas City series? If depending on his use of the bullpen, the Yankees are forcing the Sox to use their bullpen. That's not that, and that's not the bullpen they want to bring out there. But Kansas City is is the two for one thing, and you you can't lose to them because you're letting letting them gain a game, and now you've got a doubleheader, so you're gonna be you would expect to use the bullpen a lot. Are there signs that you would things that you would attach to this as a sign that Tony Russa thinks this is really important, even though it's May? Again, I, I think it's just all, you know, finding a balance out there. You know, like, for instance, they went to Tanner Banks on Thursday and when it was 9-7, to seven, and Tanner Banks has had a great run, you know, just to start the season. Tanner Banks, I think at one point, had retired 14 guys in a row or was they were like one for 18 and against the one point. And it wasn't a great matchup against the Yankees in that 9-7 lead, you know, not just him, but – it became 15 to seven, but Tony made the move there where he explained the whole thing where if the game was, you know, tied or they were winning, he was going to Hendricks in the ninth and he was going to bring Matt Foster in in the 10th, who had become a high, high leverage guy of late. So I think that's an example where you got to, you know, pick it. And again, if you speak like that, you seem to kind of not demean, but push that other guys. And Tanner Banks has been as valuable as almost anyone else in that bullpen this year, but you got to pick and choose how you use the guys. So I think in terms of the rotation, it's not so much looking at what they have. They, they want to see what you know goes through this week because they see who gets used and who doesn't, and you can line up accordingly. You know, Maybe put a guy Monday who's going to give you a little more length because you're pitching and you have a doubleheader schedule on Tuesday, followed by a night game, then a day game on, on Thursday. I, I think they know who's going. It's just a question of the order and you know making the guys sure the guys have the proper rest and seeing where Giolito slots into that whole thing, assuming he does. I found it interesting. I did not know that um, the uh, adoration, the importance of Johnny, of Johnny Cueto to Ronaldo Lopez. They've trained together the last couple of years, and if you're Ronaldo Lopez, you go, yeah, look who I'm, I'm with. I, I want to be a, a part of this. I don't know if that will make a difference. Do you think it'll make a difference? And does he suddenly did he come out of the bullpen? Does he start a game? I, I know they have plans for Cueto. Are there... Does, does Lopez become, 
do you wonder if this makes him better, more valuable pitcher? Well, I think Lopez has been pretty decent overall, and I think you know he's been bothered by this low back stiffness, which he came back from and pitched last night. But it does not seem like they have, at this point, intentions of moving him out of the bullpen. As a matter of fact, he really hasn't even worked in the long relief type of role with the White Sox. He's been more of a leverage guy. So I don't see him suddenly you know, getting – I mean, maybe as an opener or a guy who pitches two innings to start a game – but I don't see him being a guy who they're going to suddenly put back in the rotation. Yeah, you know, they, they have trained together. Johnny Cueto is an interesting guy. I get that, you know, you don't know what you have with Johnny Cueto at this point in his career. He's been a great pitcher in his career. But he also is a guy who really knows how to pitch. So, while you know, I think everyone looks at velocity and this and that. I think, you know, movement and guile is more important for Johnny Cueto than hitting 93, 94, or whatever it is. But it'll be interesting. You know, I mean, you take a chance. It's not like a – a high risk on that and see if it works. And if it doesn't, you, you explore something else, but yeah, I think he'll be there in Kansas city. I'm almost sure he'll be there in Kansas city. And yeah, I mean, they have a good bond, but I, I don't see Lopez going into the rotation anytime soon. All right, Scott, we'll uh, look forward to talking to you later. Thank you for taking the time today. Sure. And anytime, Steve, take care. All right. Scott Merkin, MLB.com covers the White Sox. So, We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll search sports. We'll talk uh, some NBA with Rick Camp, and we'll talk food because that's what we do with Rick Camp. Steve Rosenblum, Saturday Suck, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to score. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.